0: Hi, I'm Jan. And I'm Lynn. Welcome to the Lamplighters podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Bible, following the stories of some of the women who have impacted our faith. We jump this week to two very different women during the time of Judges. Last week, we studied Rahab and her vital role in the saving of God's people during the conquest of the promised land and saw that she had a real place of honor in the genealogy that led to the birth of Jesus. God's people are now settled in Canaan. Each tribe has their own land
1: and everyone's happy, right, Jan? Not exactly, <laughs> as you know, or we wouldn't have a story, right? Yes. The conquest of the promised land um, that Rahab was involved in, took Mm -hmm. seven years. And Joshua ruled for a total of 25 years, but Mm -hmm. then he died, okay? Okay. And after they lost Joshua as their leader, the Israelites got in trouble again.
0: Surprise, surprise. And they
1: entered uh, about a 350-year period, uh, which is known as the time of the judges, Mm -hmm. right? And it's a familiar pattern. We will see it over and over and over again, kind of rinse and repeat. It's rebellion, retribution, repentance, restoration. Mm-hmm. Okay, the people disobey, they sin, they're punished at the hands of someone else. They cry out to God, and He sends someone to save them. And in this period, the one He sent to save them was called a judge. Okay, right? It was so bad at that time, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The whole Eastern Mediterranean was imploding, mm-hmm. actually. But it was particularly bad in Israel. Scripture tells us, in those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Mm-mm. In other words, God's people had really lost their moral compass. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They began a long descent into the depths of moral and spiritual failure and eventually resulted in a civil war. Mm-hmm. At which point, they cried out for a king, and that's another story. Okay, It didn't work out like they thought, by the way. <laughs> but before we get too judgmental about the Israelites, I want to stop and confess that I can really identify with this pattern they're in. Yeah. My spiritual life has similar cycles. Mm-hmm. There are days when I'm on the mountaintop, and I see the victories God has given me, and I am walking very closely with Him. Mm-hmm. And then there are times when I forget how yeah. closely I have walked with God. And, and that happens for a variety of reasons, but mostly for me because life is just so daily yeah. and I forget. I have a short memory. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, that sad cycle sounds very familiar to me as well. I cannot count how many times I've had something happen in my life that without question, <laughs> God has orchestrated. And I've thought to myself, I will never forget, forget this. this. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it seems like a little bit of time goes by and that excitement starts to fade. And I start to remember that something happened, but I can't remember exactly what it was. And then eventually that feeling even fades and I totally forget that anything even happened. Um, and that's, that's why I've tried to start writing some of these down. I have a journal specifically for it. Um, but I'll admit I'm not very good at that. I even forget to write those things down. It just seems like we are prone prone, or should I say doomed, to repeat history.
1: Yeah, and, and I will add one one thought to that, Lynn. I write it down, and then if I go back and look at it, I think, what in the world was I talking yeah, about? Get That's it. how bad my memory yeah, is. I get uh, it. So tell me, who are
0: these Judges exactly?
1: Okay, well, Judges is not a book that I ordinarily turn to. And, and the only things I really knew about that book were a couple of Bible stories from Sunday school, mostly mm-hmm. about Samson, Oh you yeah, know, the great strong man, mm-hmm. right? And when Samson's story was told, his... Last heartthrob was mentioned in the telling of those stories, but in very hushed tones because of the scandalous nature of their relationship. So she was just kind of glossed over. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that there was a woman judge, Deborah. Hmm. And what a woman she was. So we're going to contrast Deborah and Delilah this week. Okay. Deborah was the fourth. Of 12 judges. So she happened about a third of the way through this period. Okay. Samson was the 12th judge and the last one. Deborah was appointed by God during the time the Canaanites were suffering under a, the king of Canaan, mm-hmm. Jabin, and his military commander, Sisera, who was cruel beyond imagining. Now, judges in general were um, appointed by God to lead, and God guides people. Uh, in living righteously in ways that honored God and blessed them. In other words, they helped the people follow God. Mm -hmm. That was their spiritual function. Mm -hmm. They also arbitrated cases between people. So they had a legislative and legal function. Mm -hmm. And they occasionally fought battles against Israel's enemy. That was a military function. So they had three basic job descriptions, Mm -hmm. right? Now, obviously, some judges did better than others did. Deborah was, hands down, the best of the judges. Oh, She ruled 40 years, which was a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she died, Israel was at peace. Mm. It was one of the few times of peace in Israel's history yeah. during the time of the judges. Her name means B. I love that. B-E-E. Mm. Okay. Um, significant, like most Old Testament names, because she provided refreshment. She provided honey, mm-hmm. if you will, to her people. Mm-hmm. But she also stung her enemies. Oh. She was a fighter. Yeah. So Deborah provided wise counsel, bold leadership, and consistent guidance by pointing God's people to God. Now, let's stop and think about this a minute. Remember when we discussed the na- patriarchal nature of the Old Testament mm-hmm. way back when? Oh, yeah. I can't remember that. Yeah. Um, while women have all sorts of roles in God's story, you don't expect to find one as the leader of an entire nation,
0: especially one of the most successful leaders. Exactly, as you said. this was yeah. very
1: unique. Yeah, in fact, it's so unique that many commentaries list the judge of this period as Deborah slash Barak. That's her military commander. Okay, a- as if a woman couldn't possibly lead oh, right. God's people yeah. by herself. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. But if you read the actual text, it's clear that God appointed her to the office of judge, Mm -hmm. not a joint judgeship. Deborah took up the mantle of governance in a strong and very graceful way. And when we meet her, God's people were under the thumb of that Canaanite king, Jabin, as I said before. So they were in the oppressionist discipline and crying out phases of that cycle that we talked about. Deborah was a bold and brave leader, and she acted on God's direction, summoned her general Barak to fight against Jabin's troops and the leadership of Sisera. And I'm going to let the friend, our friends talk about that in their small groups, but just one thing I want to say. If you haven't, please cheat and read ahead uh, at the end of Judges chapter 4, read about the End of Sisera, right? It involved another bold and brave woman, and uh, it comes with a strong rating because of bloodshed. I'm just warning you. Okay. Well, I,
0: this is what I'm loving about studying this year because there are all these women who were obviously very important women. I mean, a 40 year reign is no insignificant thing. And like you, I hadn't, I didn't know anything about that. So Mm -hmm. we're off to a good start. And I love knowing about her name. The significance of these names just fascinates me Um, and the way it linked to her wisdom and her bold leadership. And knowing how women were thought of, she must have had a real presence about her Mm -hmm. to have been in authority for 40 years. Um, The only way that that could have occurred is with divine intervention and her obedience to God's call. Exactly. So what else do we know about her?
1: Well, we know how she's described. Um, She's described as a prophetess, one of only five women in the Bible with that role. Mm -hmm. We have Miriam. We uh, studied her. We have Huldah, Isaiah's wife. And the other one is, I won't get it right, but bear with me, Noadiah. She, however, was a false prophet. So there were only four women prophets in the Old Testament. And Deborah was one of them. She's also described as judge of the entire nation, Mm. emphasizing the fact that she really was over everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's described as deliverer, warrior, and personally, my favorite, mother of Israel. She was very beloved by her people, um, used by God, successful in the job that she was called to do. And why? In other words, what made her different from the rest of the judges? Yeah. Right. Okay, we can look at Judges 5 for clues. That's the song of Deborah. She is crediting with writing that victory song after the victory over the Canaanite king. It's one of the longest poetic compositions in the Bible, and according to one commentary, uh, has the oldest Hebrew in Scripture. Okay. I can't vouch for that. I don't speak Hebrew. Right. Or write it or read it or anything. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Deborah's song echoes Miriam's song after the people of God were delivered from Egypt through the Red Sea. It's Mm -hmm. it's basically a recounting of Israel's wars and the power that God has fighting for them. It's to remind the people. So the constant refrain in this song is, bless the Lord. Mm. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. It's the secret of her success is her life with God. Yeah. Yeah. She's chosen and equipped by God for a specific time and a specific task. And how she took that up was remarkable. She listened. She didn't hesitate. She didn't argue. She didn't want a second plan. Mm-hmm. When God said go, she went. Yeah, And she didn't sugarcoat God's instructions. If God called, she knew she would be equipped. Right. Uh, unlike Barack, who yeah. kind of doubted about that. So in many ways, we can think of her as a worshiping warrior, um, but she was a godly woman who always remembered who was in charge and who provided the victory. Mm-hmm. She never forgot, and she never let her people forget. Yeah. So in this song, she encourages and strengthens her people's faith. She praises the valiant warriors who fought the battle, but she gives credit to God for the victory.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And bless the Lord. That's what she keeps saying. You bless the Lord by praising and praying and sharing and serving and obeying, knowing that God sees you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And quoting our pastor Thomas in a recent sermon, when we reach out to him, he is already reaching out to us. Yeah. And the the proof of her longevity as a judge is the fact that she had that kind of relationship with the Lord. It's such a beautiful picture, Mm
0: -hmm. and definitely Deborah is one of these women of the Bible we're going to study this year that I wish I could be more like. Um, She clearly had the gift of faith, because when God called, like you said, she responded. Mm -hmm. She responded immediately. She was obviously a woman of wisdom, but rather than pridefully relying on her own wisdom, she acknowledged its source and followed God in obedience. And, you know, I think we can probably add humility to her descriptors mm-hmm. because despite a clearly successful reign, she didn't see it as anything she did, but rather what God did through her. Yeah, Bless my, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. That's, mm-hmm. that's the proof right there. And, you know, leadership can be a very powerful drug. All we have to do is check out the news any given day and see how power has ruined so many people. Mm-hmm. So, yay. Um, She's
1: fabulous. Yes,
0: yay. But we have another woman in our lesson today, Delilah.
1: (laughs) Where do we start with Delilah? Oh, yes. Okay. This is one of the fun things about this study this year is what in the world do you do with these women? Remember we talked way back in the beginning about women being complex and multifaceted? Yes. So, and and we were encouraged to look at them as both and, mm-hmm. not either or. Yes. In other words, both, they were both gifted and they had a shadow side. Of course. Okay. But that's really difficult to do in this lesson. Okay. <laughs> I'm just All telling right. you. Okay. Because the contrast is so stark. Yeah. Uh, between a godly woman and and one who isn't. Right. Okay. The story of Delilah is brief. We aren't given too many details about her. Interestingly enough, commentaries almost completely ignored her. Hmm. And yet, she played a decisive role in God's story because it was after the debacle with Samson that the people cried out for a king. Okay. Which led to David Mm -hmm. and the line for the Messiah. So, she does play a critical role. God does use her. Um, There's a lot of conjecture about her. Many stories have been written about her, all of them with titles straight out of the tabloids, Um, even an opera based on her action. Oh. But her story is so interwoven with Samson's that his story becomes the context for hers, and they are inseparable. In fact, what do you think of when I say the word Samson? Delilah. They just go together. Yeah. They just go together. Yeah. So it's important to know a little something about the last judge. Um, When I sat down to actually read the story of Samson, let me just say the Sunday school versions of his stories were well and truly sanitized for little ears. Samson was a white, hot mess from the very beginning. Now, at the time of Samson's appearance, the Israelites were suffering under the thumb of the Philistines, not the Canaanites. That was under Deborah. This is the Philistines. And their cruelty was almost unimaginable. Samson's birth was miraculous. It was announced by an angel. And his name means son, S-U-N. A hopeful sign that he would bring light and life to God's people, right? Mm -hmm. Additionally, he was dedicated to the Lord from birth by a Nazarite vow. Now, that was a vow... Where the person would not touch alcohol, would not touch dead bodies, um, would not shave their hair, and because the body was supposed to be pure and remain pure in service to the Lord, right? So Samson had all these strictures on him as because of the Nazarite vow. Mm -hmm. He was gifted with almost supernatural strength, Mm -hmm. as long as part of that Nazarite vow was held. That's, we'll get to that at the end. So it sounds pretty good so far, right? Yeah. Okay. It's important to remember, because of what follows, that Samson was used by God as an instrument to punish the Philistines for 20 years. Okay. For 20 years, he was not just a burr under their blanket. He was a dedicated, ruthless enemy. Okay. Okay. And While he was not the wisest of judges, God still records Samson in the list of the faithful in Hebrews chapter 11. I couldn't believe that when I read it after I read Samson's story, proving God is a God of grace. That's right. At any rate, in the first half of his judgeship, Scripture tells us, quote, the Holy Spirit rushed upon him. In other words, Samson was empowered by God to judge the Philistines, right, Mm -hmm. by punishing them. But despite his incredible strength, Samson was a morally weak man, and he was ruled by his appetites,
0: mm.
1: mostly lust yeah. and impatience. He couldn't wait on anything. He didn't seem to be able to stay away from women, and particularly women who belonged to the enemy. Oh. He was very casual about keeping various parts of the Nazarite vow, all except the one about his hair. Okay, Now, During the beginning of his rule, he saw a young Philistine woman and begged to marry her. This is important because it sets up the context for the battle that comes with the Philistines. His parents said it's not a good idea. He begged to marry her. He stubbornly and relentlessly and rebelliously insisted, and so finally he did. So it's in this part of his life that you have the stories of Samson killing the lion with his bare hands, right? yeah. And presenting a riddle to his male guests at the wedding. He thought he was way smarter than he really was. (laughs) Um, At any rate, he was manipulated by his wife into losing the bet because she found out the answer to the riddle. And he took revenge against the Philistines. Now, note, the text tells us the Spirit of the Lord came on him in power. Okay, He killed 30 Philistines. As a result, his wife was given to somebody else, which, of course, made him furious. Yeah. So he took revenge, again, against the Philistines by tying 300 foxes. Don't ask me how he gathered them up. They tied them together by their tails, and he he fastened a torch to each set of tails and set them loose in the fields at the time of the wheat harvest. Mm -hmm. So the Philistines were then going to face famine. Yeah because of what Samson had done. That resulted in the Philistines burning his wife and her father to death. Oh, gosh. I know. Now, you never heard that in Sunday school, did you? No, I didn't. No, okay, but you can see this is just a mess. Yeah, it is. Waiting to have a disastrous result. Mm -hmm. Because of the foxes and the wheat thing, the Philistines swore they revenge, and they knew they had to destroy Samson. Yeah. So the pressure on the Israelites began to mount. Finally, 3,000 men from Judah, his own people, okay. came to him and begged him to cease and desist. Samson, yeah. you have got to stop. They are going to destroy us all. Yeah. And he, of course, stubbornly refused, but he did agree. He said, Tie me up and take me to them. Okay, right. So they turned him over to the Philistines. Philistines thought they had him. But once again, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. He broke the ropes. He took the jawbone of a donkey and he killed 1,000 Philistines. So the body count is adding up, right?
0: It really is. I mean, his stories are so dramatic and visual and violent. <laughs> yes, they are. And This is This is no exception. Um, clearly, we can say that Samson was exceptionally strong physically, but it also sounds like he had a really strong will. Yep. He insisted on having what he wanted without thought really to anything or anyone else or any consequences that may result. Um, Definitely he was vengeful and proud and had a serious weakness uh, of lust. And it seems like that led him to make some pretty poor
1: choices (laughs) in his companions. (laughs) That's an understatement. Yeah. You can add to your descriptions impulsive, uh, easily manipulated. Yeah. You know, uh, thought he was inviolate. Right. You know? So, at this point, we pick up the story of Delilah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, her name means delicate oh. or weaken in Hebrew. Okay. And that's interesting because she had a name associated with the people of God, but she lived with the Philistines and she knew their leaders. Hmm. Okay. So, we don't know. Was she a Philistine? Was she of mixed heritage? We don't know. Mm-hmm. But clearly, we know she did not know Samson's God. Right. She worshiped the gods of the Philistines.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Now, there's a lot of stuff out there you can read. There's a lot of speculation about her background, how she was raised, what her situation was at the time that Samson appeared, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, could she have been abused as a child? Yes. Could she have been a bored widow? Yes. Could she have been a prostitute? Eh, there's no indication of that mm-hmm. in the text, but certainly she had loose morals. Mm-hmm. And she certainly didn't mind being used by the leaders of the Philistine for a price. Yeah. But the fact is, scripture is silent on all these points. We only know her from mm-hmm. her actions with Samson. Mm-hmm. So we're going to leave that for discussion in the small groups. But I want everyone to note this one thing after Delilah enters the story, there is no more mention of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Yeah,
0: the Holy Spirit, this is a good reminder for those who weren't in our Holy Spirit um, study course, a couple yeah. of years ago, <laughs> that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't come on you once for all time. He came for a purpose, and then he left. And clearly, when you look at Samson's story, you see that, because yeah. when he's making good decisions, the Holy Spirit is upon him. When he is not making good decisions, the Holy Spirit is not who's guiding him. His pride is yeah. and his willfulness is guiding him.
1: When he is acting as God's judge. Yeah, yeah. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right. When he's not, he's not. Yes, exactly. Well, so clearly,
0: Delilah's lack of belief has had some effect on Samson mm-hmm. and his actions. You know, I think Samson sounds like one of those leaders I mentioned before whose power has gone to his head. <laughs> you know, he was no longer listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but instead he was using his power for his own satisfaction. Um, which I'd say is a pretty strong warning for us to see and to absorb. Mm -hmm. So where does this leave us? How are you going to wrap this story up?
1: (laughs) I'm not entirely sure I can. We have two women who are vastly different. Uh We have a godly woman of stellar reputation in service to the Lord who led her people well. She exercised wisdom and courage and and basically exhibits the attributes of her God, Mm -hmm. right? We have a pagan woman who also exhibits the attributes of her gods, yeah. right? She has an unsavory reputation. She deliberately conspired and m- manipulated to bring down a spiritual leader, no matter how compromised he was. Um, and, and she exhibited the moral attributes of the Philistine gods, right? Mm-hmm. Yet, we need to remember this, she was used by God to further his plan that was leading to the Messiah. And it's easy to lose that in thinking of her as totally evil, but to realize that God really has this in his hands and he is using her as an instrument of his will. Right. On the surface, Deborah and Delilah have nothing in common. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I can't just say that and not, you know, leave the podcast. Right. Um, As I sat with both of them, I've come to think they actually did. Okay. They were both fighters,
0: Okay, I see But they
1: just fought for a different cause. Right,
0: yeah.
1: Deborah um, was the mother of the nation. She fought for her children through prayer, Mm. through listening to God, through exercising wisdom and restraint, stepping out in faith, um, not ridiculing her commander, but supporting him when he waffled. She had God's power. Mm -hmm. And Delilah... Fought for what? Yeah. You know, herself, mm. the Philistines, for money, for the sheer joy of being able to lie, manipulate, and whine her way into getting what she wanted, for the power it gave her in life to get these men to do her will. She had power of a different type. And if there's any one of us who has never resorted to whining and complaining and manipulating to get her way. I want to hear from you because I need lessons from you, right? It's just a common kind of thing in our lives. So here's the question I want to leave you with this week. For whom do you fight and what tactics do you use?
0: That could be a really eye opening uh, thing to look at. It was for me. Yeah. And uh, I want to tack something on to your two questions. And this is just for me personally, because it's something that I need. And that is the why are you fighting to mm-hmm. begin with? Oh, because it's fundamental for me, because far too often is that the answer I'm fighting for has something to do with my own selfish motives rather than because I've been called to fight for a greater good. Mm-hmm. And until I'm sure of that answer, I'm wasting everyone's time and energy. No, that's good. What are yep. your motives? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it. Until next time.